so this is our first podcast um i don't know gabe and i just started this out and this is gonna be our uh our non-professional intro for right now but um i'm the i don't know one of the hosts i guess of the podcast i'm aaron um gabe you want to introduce yourself even though i already did yes yeah i did already see i got in there first um I'm the co-host, I guess, um, or the, the guest at this point in the show. Well, regular guest, just for the format of this, you know, <laughs> the way that we talked about doing it might be uh, me talking at you and you getting, you know, giving your opinions and stuff. But um, both both equally hosts, just uh, I set up some of the infrastructure. So some of this stuff uh, makes us feel like I'm more of a host. <laughs> Well, it says host on the recording app, so that's just that's because what I'm only one of. of us can be a host in the platform. I know. I'm just joking. I know. But uh, you uh, you mentioned previously, uh, just before we started recording, uh, something that we had talked about last week, um, and we had a, we had a discussion about that, which maybe we can talk about a little bit. But uh, you said that you finally got a drone that you ordered. Yes, the drone. Yeah, I got it in uh, yesterday, charged it up, and I actually took it out for its uh, maiden voyage today. I flew it around for about half an hour. Got the it's the DJI um, SE Mini SE. Mm-hmm. It was sweet. It was everything I hoped it could be. I mean, I was flying it up about fifty feet, doing loops, and it, I mean, it was pretty windy out too, but it uh, seemed to manage just fine. I'm excited. Excited to keep playing around with it. I didn't have a micro SD card, so I couldn't take any pictures, unfortunately. But I think I'm going to go out later and fly it around some more. Yeah. Uh, The nice thing about that is some of the micro SD cards that you can find nowadays, I'm not sure if there's really a huge difference between brands. I know I've got a couple of Raspberry Pis, which are, uh, for people who don't know, it's not an actual pie, (laughs) like a, you know, a baked good. It's the, that's the name for a little uh, computer chip that it's essentially a computer. It's got a processor. It's got input and output. You can basically run a computer. It's, it's a whole computer. It's just really small. Um, but you can load different operating systems onto the SD card itself. And a lot of IOT developers, internet of thing developers, uh, they use these cause they're really small and convenient and they're actually quite powerful in terms of like running scripts, running Linux, doing all that stuff. So um, anyway, I got some SD cards for that. And I usually just go with the Samsung Evo brand. It's a reputable brand. It's what I've been using in most of other computers. Like when I build a, when I build computers, uh, the the RAM and stuff, that's what I use. But um, the nice thing is depending on which brand you go with, you can get like, I want to say the biggest I've seen and I could be wrong, is either 120, uh, 128 gigabyte or 512 gigabyte. And that's pretty okay. big. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Because mine, I've got uh, an 8 gigabyte one that I was using for a while. Um, and then I got a 32 gig. And I thought that was pretty decent. Just taking uh, pictures with my digital camera. Yeah, it's it holds uh, plenty. But yeah, those sizes are perfect for like digital cameras and taking pictures. But when you start doing video, I mean, what is a video? It's a ton of 
sequential pictures being taken and then you know put into a video format so it just takes up a lot more space yeah you get into 4k and stuff like that it yeah. just could really eat up some storage uh, space in speaking of 4k is that what your drone can shoot in maximum uh mm, gosh so no i don't think so um technically it's not 4k the previous generation that it's based off of uh was 4k this one is like 2.7 or something but a lot of people have said that technically it's the same camera as the old one is it so the is, is it the know. mini 2 it's the mini se se okay so i think it was I forget what the first one, if it was just the mini and then there was the mini two and then they just came out with the SE, which is like a cheaper version of the mini two. So I, I don't know. I don't really need to shoot video with it. I just need to take pictures, close up pictures of roofs. Oh, perfect. Then you should be fine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm excited. Yeah. I'm not super, I'm familiar with the company, uh, DJ, uh, DJI. Um, a lot of people all around the world use those and they're really great. They pretty much fly themselves from what I hear. And I think you actually told me that last week. So, um, yeah, you, you let go of the controller and it just hovers there. Mm -hmm. And even if there was, uh, probably almost 10 mile an hour winds today and it would just sit there and you could see it kind of angle and compensate for the wind. And then you just, you can push, um, it works with GPS and it remembers where it took off from. So you can just hit the, the land button and it'll fly straight back there and land itself. Or if like you so, lose connection, it's like a go to home. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. If you, if you lose connection, it'll just come right back and land itself. Nice. Of course it doesn't avoid obstacles. So it just flies up like uh, 200 feet or a hundred feet and then just beelines it. So it doesn't have any AI. It'll tell you what to do. It'll, it'll do what you tell it to. So if you want to run it into a building, <laughs> It'll be like, are, yes. you, are you sure? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Which, and I think the, uh, the original one had obstacle avoidance. So I don't know what, why they took that out. If it's just to might save be, weight or might reduce be a price cost, point thing, probably. you know, strip some features yeah. out. I think so. And I don't even think the, the gen two has obstacle avoidance either. So it's really strange. Um, I don't know. Well, it's probably, I can see why they would do that. I wouldn't be upset. Because if like you just need a drone, they're still pretty good quality. But if they're trying to lower their price point, taking out some of them features for the person who's just starting to get into drone so they can actually get in. Because I know there was, what is mm-hmm. it? like? Uh, what would you consider it? Like a a bar to entry due to price point for the, the original ones? They're pretty expensive. Yeah, I don't, I think they're discontinuing them. So I don't know what they cost. I don't know what the originals cost. Um, the two is like 450 bucks starting without any additional equipment Hmm. that's just the drone and the remote and then the se is um like 399 i think is what it was and then i got an additional battery and uh, a cage for the props because i know i'm probably gonna run it into a building you know when i'm first learning to fly it right so i figure the the cage would help with that a little bit so I'm just no, looking they, at some of them now, the, uh, the Mavic yeah. series, which is, I think what they kind of built their brand off of. They came out with the DJI, DJI Mavic. They're on generation three now, but I'm just looking at the pricing. That one's yeah, $2,000. Yeah. 
and that's just the base. They have different packages. So they've got the Fly More combo and the the Cinna Premium combo. And those go, the, the, that last package I mentioned is $5,000. Yeah, I can't imagine what you're getting out of that. It seems like this thing, the one I have is supposed to go uh, four, four kilometers, I think. And then the two is supposed to go 10 kilometers. Obviously, it won't go that far. But uh, those big ones, they must go just crazy like yeah i don't know 20 miles away and have crazy run times i don't know i didn't look at them yeah um hopefully night vision and thermal yours uh, no but oh, the other if one. you're I, paying two thousand dollars it better have night vision they might you can imagine yeah another thing that's yeah like that's just the way that like drones commercial we uh some of the the other people that I know that I kind of work with sometimes uh we call them like commercial like off the shelf or I, I once jokingly said over the over the counter so <laughs> doesn't take a prescription just go pick it up but nice. uh with just how these over the counter or off the shelf uh drones are really becoming advanced um I'm not super sure about other brands that might be uh, directly competing on that that level with uh, DJI, um, but another another marketplace that's I think also becoming really uh, interesting is uh, electric vehicles. I mean, they've been interesting Excellent. for a while, but uh, I was driving downtown the other day and I, I saw this this really cool looking uh, I don't know it was it was like. The, the brand was Rivian, or it, it said Rivian on the back, and I thought that was what the car was called, and I had mm-hmm. no idea what, what that meant. <clears throat> but it, it, yeah, looked like a, it looked like a very small, compact truck. Really? Um, and I noticed it didn't have any exhaust pipes anywhere I could see, so I was like, oh, it's probably electric. I ended up looking it up later. Rivian is the brand. I can't remember what exactly that one was. It's the truck. They only have two vehicles now. They got an SUV. And they've got like the the mini truck. Oh, okay. Yeah, I actually have seen those. Now I'm pulling up the image here. Mm-hmm. I have seen those driving around. I didn't even think that they were electric. That's nuts. Um, I looked up the website. The price point starts at like $67,000. Oh, very affordable. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> for some people maybe. But uh, I couldn't find some... Like when I Googled it, do you know how you kind of get like the, a little, a little set of information at the top of the Google page when you Google something? So, uh, Mm -hmm. Google showed me that apparently the horsepower of this vehicle I was looking at, it gave me a range. So I don't know if there's like different packages that kind of give you more powerful uh, electric motors, but it said it was anywhere from 600 to 831 horsepower. That's like a supercar. That is, it's ridiculous. Um, but I, I looked at the website and their branding is like all about camping and off-roading and adventuring and stuff. They they even say it's the first electric vehicle for adventurers. And one of their packages comes with this little like fold-out camping kitchen. What? With like really? A, well, yeah, with like a burner, you know, hook a propane tank. Well, I'm sure it runs off of electricity, this, yeah. this camping kitchen. That would be <laughs> kind of counterintuitive. 
the brand image and then you're out there cooking with gas yeah, yeah. <laughs> starting your bonfire with diesel <laughs> oh boy i got air compressors in them too wow do they i didn't look at it too much i was the just adventure series yeah one of the one of the little <laughs> videos on like the on the web page shows it like climbing up a steep incline out in the woods. So I wonder if that horsepower translates to like low end torque so you can, you know, off road. I think that's the case with uh, electric vehicles, um, electric motors. Uh, I think the torque is basically constant across the entire range. Mm -hmm. So it would have, you know, because the acceleration too, I think I was seeing what, like three seconds to 60 for one of these. I'm sorry. How much, how long? Three seconds to three seconds. 60. That's still, that's admirable. Probably better than my vehicle. It, it seems pretty fast. And I, and I drive a Mine Mini Cooper like with nine. 300 horsepower. Yeah. Three seconds. So yeah, I think that's the, the big selling point with, well, one of the major selling points with electric motors is just that instantaneous torque. So I, I would imagine it's got good low end. It says it can tow 7,700 pounds, which that's not that great, I guess. I wouldn't know. I think an I... F-150, I think, is like 9,000. Okay. So for yeah. some comparison. But they're specifically, well, I thought that was really interesting uh, just because the only electric vehicles I'm really familiar with, I know Ford, and like I think GMC or General Motors, you know, they're researching and developing electric vehicles, as they've stated many times. Um, so I know those, but this was the first time outside of Tesla that I've seen like an electric vehicle out on the streets. Yeah, um, I, I guess I had seen them. I just didn't realize they were electric until now. <laughs> sure. But, but so that that made me think. I'm like. I know in the media, all these companies are saying, yep, we're going to make this vehicle. Like, I think Ford has shown images. I don't know if they're actually, like, out for retail yet, if, like, you can buy one. But they have, like, an electric truck. Mm, okay. But but just all these, yeah, these the brands lightning. showing their research and all that stuff. There's definitely a, a proliferation of electric vehicles, um, whether that's from, like, new startups. You know, Tesla is the main one. But if you think back... They're not that old. They're still relatively right. new, you know? When yeah, did, when did, when did they, they make start? their first Roadster? Gosh, I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Early 2000s, but, uh, maybe? Yeah, I would say. I would guess, yeah, like 2008 or nine or somewhere in there. But I would have to look it up to see. Hmm. 2008. 2008 is when okay. they released their cool. first car. Got lucky on that one. Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> I said 2008 or nine. Yeah. <clears throat> Seems like everything came out then. But uh, now there's there's a lot of other electric vehicle brands. The Rivian uh, vehicles, for one. Um, I did a little bit of looking. Uh, I, just saw, I just found this list, and I haven't heard of like any of these. I didn't do any research on them, but... Just to name off a few, uh, there's a company called Waymo, uh, Envoy Technologies. <laughs> this one sounded kind of funny. The Z Tractor. <laughs> well, I put the the in there, but it's Z Tractor is the brand. I don't know if 
What are they? Are they? Is that an actual it, tractor? Or is that I don't a know. Car? Yeah. I mean, the way it's spelt, is it supposed to like indicate that they have superior traction, or yeah, is it a farming um, electric farming? It looks like it is an actual tractor. Oh, <laughs> that's cool. So actually, that's pretty cool to see electric uh, technologies, you know, electrically uh, fueled vehicles moving out of just uh, the the commuting uh, industry and moving into you know, whether it's a farm, you know, if you got to till some, till some land or something like that, but. Yeah, it's definitely the future. Um, especially as battery, battery technology gets better. Uh, yeah. cause you know, obviously right now I, I can just imagine the amount of fuel that's used for farming specifically, just those huge tractors out there just drinking down gas. So yeah. there's going to have to definitely be some serious development to make that, that work with batteries, but I could I could see it happening. I wonder pretty soon here. Just thinking about it, like the the shape of a vehicle and how how they need to have such a big battery, and then they usually just stick that. That's like the lowest component on the vehicle, right? They have this big flat battery mm-hmm. that goes underneath the body. Yep. So they can hide it. Um, a tractor, you could probably have, you know, just a big brick Some- where like the motor used to be on tractors right yeah and that that would help with traction too obviously the heavier it is yeah you know, sometimes they add weights to the front of them so that they get better traction so i could yeah. see how that would be a positive yeah the, the teslas specifically i know they're supposed to uh like write themselves basically the battery's so heavy it's, if they flip on their roof or almost on their roof they'll just like roll back on the wheels because the battery is so heavy but i don't know interesting yeah um maybe not so on this list i noticed a company that we all know um uber Mm, this was just a list Uh, i don't think there was really an in-depth article to it but uber making electric vehicles it's it's interesting because uber's current platform is the vehicles that are used by the company or by the drivers are provided by the drivers um so much or so long as that that vehicle is new enough and i think it probably has to pass certain inspections or else you know if you you bring in your junker out on your uber job and you know you go down like that's bad for uber as a company as well not just you because you know but uh does that mean they're trying to make like a uh autonomous vehicle fleet i know uh elon musk said he wanted to do this but uh that would be interesting for uber I'm sure they are because, you know, the drivers obviously cost a lot. So if they could just have autonomous vehicles and cut out the drivers, they're going to save themselves a lot of money and make it more affordable. But so I think there's a way to go for driverless vehicles yet, too. I, I totally agree. And I, that was something I was thinking about. And then I was like, well, surely they can't eliminate the driver. That's irresponsible. And there's no way in hell that regulation is going to let them do that. So I would you... Would you classify if they did successfully make this fleet classified as a supervised automatic car? Like I think the driver still sits in there to make sure like in extreme situations they got to take over. Which I've heard uh, Elon talk about this and a couple other um, people I've heard uh, podcasts and news and stuff uh, about working on the driverless car problem and they're to the point now i know with tesla that it's 
like 20 times safer or even more than that. I don't have those numbers handy, but I know it's way safer than human drivers and testing so far. Um, they've just, they've got to prove that and get enough hours of testing in to convince the regulators. But once that happens, I really think that just completely unsupervised driverless cars are going to be, they're going to cut down on traffic deaths substantially. Uh, I totally agree. I've heard him say that too. And he's, there's been a couple of notable uh, incidences where incidences, events where uh, somebody was on autopilot or I can't, I don't know what, I don't have a Tesla. I think that's what they call it. I think so. But it was on auto. And if I recall, I don't remember when it was, but there was like a, a tractor trailer. So basically like some guy had like a, like a semi was crossing the road, I think Mm -hmm. had a big, big, uh, you know, truck trailer on the back. Those things are lifted up pretty high. Like you could drive under that with a Lamborghini, I think. Yeah, I'm sure you could. But the the Tesla didn't recognize that there was a trailer because it saw empty space in front of it. Mm. Because the yeah, truck, that's a problem. The trailer was just tall enough, and it essentially peeled the top of the Tesla off. The guy was probably sleeping in his car too. <laughs> that would have been a shock. Maybe, or he got complacent <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, it'll stop anytime now." Maybe I trust these brakes. If they're used, really though, I think I think it'll just be amazing once we get uh, to that point where I think there'll be like a, a lane on the highway dedicated, you know, like the HOV lanes right now, mm-hmm. be dedicated to driverless cars. And once people start seeing that traffic move, everybody's stuck in traffic over on the right side of the road, and that left lane is just bumper to bumper cars moving seamlessly, uh, and, and the accidents are cut down. I think it's going to be adopted real quick. I think it is too. Um, and I, I yeah. bring up that one that one uh, instance or event, and I know that there, I think, is like one or two more where Autopilot kind of didn't get it right. But think about it. Tesla's been out for how long? Autopilot's been out for how long? Um, hmm. And media, media focuses on these three or four events saying, well, look at this. They're dangerous. And it's like, well, you're, you're totally skewing what's actually happening like human yeah. human error in driving there's accidents fatal or not that happen every day and yeah, it's like these, at least 60,000 yeah yeah a year i think yeah like i know elon musk has in interviews they they ask him he's like what do you think about these uh your car is getting in accidents and he goes well it's doing much better than you know personally driven vehicles Right. Yeah, big time, big time. And that's yeah, not to say that driving the, media, the, the that's not to say that the the media is intentionally skewing data. But you know, when when a new technology comes out, and then like, oh, see, it's not infallible. Yeah, it's just scary, and it won't ever be infallible. But a lot of it is um, the driverless cars interacting with uh, human drivers too. I'm sure. And once you know, if we can get the entire vehicle fleet if you will, I don't know, uh, driverless, it'll just be miraculous. Like you won't even need stop signs or stoplights. Cars will just go through intersections, you know, at full speed. Shooting gaps uh, with, yeah, with, just shooting with gaps. computational precision. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They'll just 
communicate with each other and time it out and just going through intersections and no more traffic jams, no more yeah. rush hour. You can sleep in your car. Yeah, it'll be it'll be good. Um so I think Porsche is coming out with an electric vehicle too. Are they? Okay. I thought so. I could be wrong. And then additionally, I think Lamborghini might be. But the biggest thing that I've heard out of their research, and this was, I didn't look into this too much. I just heard it on the radio, like, hmm, must have been a year or two now. They have this, like, super fast charging battery. Like, it, it's almost like a capacitor. You load it up, and it's done. Okay. But the problem that they were having at the time was that super fast charging creates a lot of heat. And I think that was the issue they were trying to work around. And that I don't know if yeah, that means I... they got to like make some god awful heat sink for the battery. I I think I remember that now that uh, a ship just burnt and sunk with a whole bunch of Porsches on it. Mm. I think they were Porsches, and that's what they said is that it was probably a battery that overheated and started on fire. So th- that was interesting. That's a bummer. And a lot of the like the pre-existing companies that are, you know, gas powered, gas fueled, diesel, you know, GMC, Ford, Porsche, Lamborghini, Chevy. Um, a lot of these brands have, in in public statements and articles, stated that they're um, committing to produce only electronic vehicles by. I don't know. I'm sure they all pick a different, mm-hmm. a different date, but. That's kind of around yeah. the corner. It's like I, I know some of the dates that they've been, they've been releasing are it's in the 2020s. <clears throat> yeah, um, I know California specifically just announced that they're not going to have any more gasoline vehicles on the road by like 2035. But I know there's other people that have yeah said it much sooner, much sooner than that. Like the manufacturers, and I, I think a lot of that comes down to. Um, like cafe standards too are a big, big part of that. They're basically the, the average fuel economy of all the vehicles that a company produces have to be a certain amount by a certain date. So you can see even in the last like five years, all the new cars that come out are just smaller and smaller. Even the SUVs just look like little cars made to look like SUVs. And that's, that's a direct result of the cafe standards, which is like, I think corporate average fuel economy or something like that. But man, it's about time we switch over to electric vehicles. If we can make the battery technology work. Yeah. That's, I think that's going to be the biggest part of it. And I think earlier you said something about uh, battery technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that it's advancing, or maybe I just thought that while you were talking, but no, um, I think I mentioned that I was, I was thinking of a story on that too, just tangentially, uh, basically batteries that charge themselves. So they're using, I don't know if it's depleted uranium or some such thing like that. Basically you're using the battery, it drops down to a certain level and you could just set it there and stop using it and it'll just recharge itself over time. And the, the company that was making them claimed that they would last for some ridiculous amount of time, like 
5,000 years or something. But it's stuff like that that's just so fascinating. If that, that comes out, you know, never having to charge your cell phone again, you just imagine. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. But uh, to that, I've seen people in social media who have Teslas or articles where I'm sure they're citing the same people who are posting, but people are claiming that their battery is not able to have as much of a charge. And I don't know if that's technically the issue, but they're, they're seeing that their car is slowly getting less range and Mm -hmm. they're all saying my battery's wearing out. And I don't know if it's true. I'm sure it is with the current technology. You just think about your cell phone and within two years, the battery, like if you have an iPhone, it tells you the battery health within two years, it's dropped down to, I think mine was 85% capacity, which I think is pretty good reading, you know, does it, the stats on it? Does it feel to you like you're getting 15% less? Yeah. And I can tell cause I I got a new phone recently. a brand new iPhone and yeah, the difference in battery life, the new one lasts for two days. Yeah. Before well, I have the, to charge it. A lot of the newer phones, much like, you know, electric vehicles coming out with, you know, better battery technology and faster charging and stuff. Phones are doing that too. So it, it could yeah. also be the case that your phone just have, a, has a bigger battery mm-hmm. as well. No, you know, I'm sure there's that's true. a little bit to it, but there's also, there was also that, uh, that big issue where Apple claimed that I, I, they were sending out an update to make older phones last longer. Like, yep. hey, this update's going to make your phone more efficient. No, what they did is they throttled your phone's CPU so it yeah. grew less. So they literally dumbed, not dumb, you can't dumb a smartphone, but they they slowed it down. And right. once that came out, yeah. there was this huge thing because they, they didn't in any way allude to that that's what they were there there that's yeah. what they were doing excuse me yeah we gave what you want your your battery lasts longer but your yeah. phone's slow didn't give them a choice which for most people like they're they're probably not really using their phone and maxing out their cpu speeds anyway right that is true yeah i know the screens too like with the iphone they just use less power with the OLED versus mm-hmm. the old LED or whatever it was. So an- another so. thing that I've seen, and I haven't seen it in a while, it, it might have just been like people who are anti-electric vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people like, they're like, oh, what's the benefit of electric vehicles? Well, obviously a lot less emissions. And then people are like, well, that's not true. Well, how so? Obviously, the manufacturing plants are putting out emissions, but how much is that compared to, you know, fuel vehicles driving? Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting thought experiment because I know a lot of the chemicals for the batteries are, you know, hazardous and mined in third world countries and you know, with slave labor and stuff like that. So it's like it's kind of a trade off. And then where are you getting your power from, too? And a lot of it comes from coal plants still, as far as I understand, at least in the United States. So basically, instead of you burning gas to run your car, you're burning coal. And then you yeah. got transmission yeah. loss through the, the grid and everything, too. Yeah. So it's not exactly efficient. 
Yeah, I think the U.S. currently, I could be wrong, only has three nuclear power plants in the country. What? No. I thought so. That can't be true. Because I know there's one in... episode. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> there's one in, like, Monticello, and then there's... Uh, I know there's one in... Uh, in Texas, at least one. Yeah, there's there's a bunch. There's got to be a bunch. But yeah, that's the way to go. That's if if we were to switch over to all electric vehicles, that would be pretty much the only way to generate the electricity that was actually carbon neutral or less intensive than burning coal. Obviously. Um, well, I was really wrong on that. <laughs> As of 2021, December 31st, uh, there were 55. Oh, okay. Well, it's just an order of magnitude, but that's still not nearly as many as I thought. Nuclear, I mean. I thought there were. Yeah. I would have thought there were way more than that. Huh. 23 plants have one reactor. 32 plants have two, and three have three. Okay. That's interesting. There, there also is. We kind of, kind of sidebarred there a little bit, but there also is. Uh, well, it's relevant because electricity comes from somewhere, and you're right. A lot of our infrastructure is still coal or fossil fuel driven, and I know there's this huge push where trying to get clean energy, but there's there's a lot of people. Not to get conspiracy theorists on this, a lot of people high up in the government who make money off of this stuff, and they're you know, to some extent, blocking, eliminating oil and coal, not oil, but coal uh, too quickly or or altogether. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. You know, there's the big push to switch to all renewables and it's, it's always wind and solar, which obviously just don't produce constantly and can't produce when demand is the highest. And nobody really talks about nuclear as being a renewable. So it's like, yeah, there, there I mean, are a lot of... Technically, it's not. Uh, yeah, I mean, it depends. Because <laughs> there, there is a half-life of yeah. the, the plutonium um, used. I wrote a paper about that in college. I kind of remember basically doing the research. You can, you can uh, refine seawater and pull uranium out of it and... Hmm. Yeah, basically get thousands of years of uranium at whatever. Whenever I wrote that paper, it was like 2010 or something. Um, you could produce the world's electri- electricity needs with nuclear or um, with uh, uranium mined out of the sea for a, a couple thousand years. That was the stat at the time. But So not renewable technically, but... No, I wonder. I wonder how feasible that would be though i mean how many how many parts per million are in the seas and how long how much water do you have to you know go mm. through before you get a usable amount right you'd have to have that water point. pumps that are just sucking down water like a fish yeah you would you would but you don't need that much uranium either oh. um but speaking like with seawater too do uh fusion they're always talking about fusion happening basically just 
use seawater to generate electricity. But that's way too far afield. So I've also heard, and this kind of ties into the right to repair movement that's moving on pretty strong mm. right now, where people like a big person, a big company against it, they claim they're not. But Apple, you know, like Samsung phones and all these other phones, like they provide like the specs and there's parts out there. And, oh, my the antenna that receives my phone signal is going bad. Like you can just buy that module, open up your phone. Of course, if you break it, you're kind of screwed. But if you have the know-how right. or if you wanted to learn, there's a lot of resources on YouTube and other where other other places where you can learn and kind of follow a guide. You just drop that in there, put your phone back together, and it probably works unless if you did something wrong. But uh, with that, uh, electric vehicles are not, I think, as understood by a lot of people that like regular combustion engines are like if your if your alternator goes out you're like oh my car won't start well my battery's probably dead because it's not getting charged while i'm driving like you just buy a new alternator you probably know where to put it electric vehicles people they're they're more difficult and more more complex to work on and i think just for instance tesla i think they have like a maintenance program on it or something i've heard of people who like did a certain thing to your car their car uh, then after they finished working on it, whatever they did, they would get like this message on their center dis uh, display after they started up, basically saying like, like, I think in one case it said like, this is not your car because <laughs> whatever oh, really? they replaced had a, a unique identifier in it that tied it to a different car. Wow. Or, okay, that's a bummer. Or like void of the warranty and they brought it in to get fixed. And they're like, well, you did this and we're not going to, we, we can't repair this for you kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's a big downside. So it's the major con there is the inability for the everyday person to self-repair that vehicle. Yeah. And, and even I say everyday person, too, sure. I, everyday man, everyday person. I just mean like most of the population because i don't know I, th I think that the everyday person these days might not even be able to afford a tesla or a new vehicle at this point right yeah and i wonder i, I, I wonder remember. even with uh if you bring it into a repair shop basically you're you're gonna have to bring it into a tesla repair shop too because a lot of mechanics are have, gonna have no idea so it's yeah that's interesting. right and what does that look like are there actually going to be like brick and mortar uh, Tesla, you know, uh, me mechanics. Would you even call them mechanics anymore? Like, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know. You know, different technology. They're technicians, whatever. But, uh, yeah. or would it be they make a contract with Ford, GM, and all these other places to have some of their mechanics get certified in electric vehicle repair? I, I find right. that one a little bit more likely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I for sure. I don't think there's a lot of Tesla dealers out there right now. Like, don't you? You have to order it, and they like bring it to you, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> that was something too. Like, you would think, can you just bring your Tesla into the the Ford dealership, and I assume you can get them to you know put new tires on it or do your brakes because the brakes have got to be pretty similar to other cars. But you know, but what else is there to really work on on a Tesla? kind of just plug and play it's like yeah, change oh. the windshield wipers yeah the windshield fill your fill so. your windshield wash fluid 
Yeah. It's like, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't work. What is it? Well, it's the battery or the electric motor. <laughs> so uh, just when we were talking earlier about Lamborghini's battery, uh, I was right. They call it the supercapacitor. Okay. Um, and it heavily relies on uh, regenerative braking. Mm, right. Because supercapacitors are not necessarily batteries. They... They don't store as much energy, but they can dump the energy really quick. And I think right. the reason why they want that is because they're trying to make an electric supercar. The more energy you can dump into the motors, the electronic motors, the you know more crazy that vehicle is going to be. Right. Yeah, I could see that being appealing because I know the, the Tesla Plaid can do like zero to 60 in 1.8 seconds or something ridiculous that's got to be more than that (laughs) yeah exactly well that's got to beat out all these luxury car brands yeah you know there's like if you can accelerate that fast you might as well just try out for like being an astronaut because the the (laughs) g-forces yeah it's hard to imagine going much faster than that right but yeah uh Uh, another technology that i've been tracking for a long time and by a long time i mean probably like the last like six ish years is something that people are calling uh manufactured meats oh yeah um uh, i've seen it called other names too like lab grown meat cultured uh good meat uh and i think they mean that by like negative impact or positive Mm -hmm. impact as opposed to negative um, or like cultivated but uh, have, you, have you heard about this? Yeah, I <laughs> I think I've heard it referred to as pink goo or something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're, you're not, you're not necessarily wrong. Because uh, <laughs> as it is right now, very few companies that are doing this, and there's quite a few. Um, all they've been able to make is basically like hamburger looking meat. I mean, mm-hmm. not looking meat. It is a hamburger. Like they... The way they do it is they like grow it from uh, the animal cells and then feed it the nutrients and stuff. But it's really hard to get that to connect and create like a steak looking product. So right. what they end up collecting looks more like hamburger. Okay. Um, with, with one exception, there is one company, I guess, uh, uh, Aleph Farms. It's in Israel. Um, and the information I know about this, again, I haven't been following it too much, but I've been really interested. This was as of 2018, they had created a steak, um, but it was really? very thin and it, uh, in three to five weeks, whatever they made, even though it was kind of thin, it was the, you know, the profile or like the, the length and width of like a credit card. Interesting. So maybe a little bit like bigger, throw that in a 3d printer and make a real steak yeah (laughs) i don't know that's interesting i don't know all of the science behind it but essentially yeah they use animal cells like a starter like a Mm -hmm. i guess you would say like a like a nucleation point uh and then they you know they feed it with you know the aminos nutrients and proteins and then it you know slowly grows uh this this company that i just mentioned left farms apparently in 2018 as of then it would take them three to five weeks to make that steak. Okay. Um, 
and even though that's a very small piece of piece of meat, uh, if they could scale it up, you know, multiple uh, incubation or growing, uh, you know, whatever platforms, mm-hmm. uh, I think they could easily surpass what it takes to produce meat just out of one cattle. Because generally cattle right. are butchered for their meat like after two-ish years. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds a lot faster and you can do it at scale, not have a cow do it. And then there's right. a lot less waste too. So the one company that I've been following, it's actually here in the U.S., is called Memphis Meats. Um, they haven't been putting out a ton of stuff lately. They do have a YouTube channel. But uh, they've already successfully created a product. A lot of these have, but generally for just like testing and stuff and like sampling. Uh, but they had like a testing session and all this stuff. There's another company in the U.S. called Just Meats. I kind of mm. like that name, like Just, like Justified or Justice, you know. Oh, I But also you. it's Just Meats. They do meat. <laughs> Perfect. But uh, they also did a successful, uh, uh, you know, testing session. My question, though, is does it taste good? <laughs> um, so there are YouTube videos out there where a lot of these people invite like Wall Street Journal. These companies invite Wall Street Journal to do a little a little segment and then test the meat. Almost all of them are like, yeah, it tastes like chicken. It tastes like meat. It tastes like steak. Because hmm. it is. Yeah. I wonder how they get the fat content. No, because to me, it's like the fat is what actually tastes good in the meat wonder if they can do that or if it's just muscle protein. Um, some of the images I've seen from other companies, there is one company, I think, who have actually made a steak. And I don't remember exactly what the company was. Um, hmm. So it actually had marbling in it and fat it did. and everything? Yes, it looked like it did. That's fascinating. But uh, live in strange times. A lot of <laughs> people I've I've seen videos where somebody will go around and like, how would you feel about your meat coming from a lab? Like not an animal. And they're like, what? Like literally we grow it. And some people are just like, that's really creepy. But yeah. some people are vegetarians because they don't like, uh, you know, cruel treatment to animals that we use for feeding our well, really the world. Mm-hmm. And I've seen when they asked them, like, would, if you knew that this didn't come from an animal that got slaughtered, would you eat the that meat? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I think so. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. If I mean, if we could um, raise cattle and have it taste the same and cost about the same, except not have to kill something for the food, I, I'm all for that. So it's funny, it's funny you bring cow up cow without a head. Oh, the cost. Oh, no. Um, the first burger that was served from cell cultured meat was in, I think, 2013 in London at some conference. It costed them $330,000. Oh, just, near just for that one. Pittance. Pocket change. Pocket change. But uh, I've recently read that the price now is actually down to about nine dollars and eighty cents a burger a burger is that a pound or what what's a burger uh, they didn't they didn't specify i would very assume, very I small don't know, burger <laughs> uh third pound to a half pound mm. probably i don't know 
Probably not a half pound. I don't know. That's uh, probably cheaper than some of the hamburger that's out in the store right now. Uh, well, that's if it's and when they say by burger, it's like one patty. Yeah. So it depends on the size, but so that's it's a third a pound. It'd be like twenty seven dollars a pound. That's a huge movement. Three hundred thirty thousand dollars down to nine eighty. Right. Nine dollars and eighty cents. Um, but if I didn't check like the actual cost of like the meats that we know now, uh, but they uh, this article I read states that it's that's still uh, largely much more expensive than the meat you could find at like your grocery store. But the yeah, I think the the goal the is to get it cheaper so that a lot of this stuff competes and then it does make it to grocery stores because I don't even know where you can get this stuff right now. Right. Yep. Yeah, they'd have to scale it up. That's for sure. Yeah, I think hamburgers going for three or well, probably more like four dollars a pound now. I think yeah. it's kind of um, getting outrageous. I saw a steak. I actually went to the grocery store yesterday, and I was I had a craving for steak. Um, I saw uh, I was looking at this one big cut of uh, ribeye, and it was sixty dollars for the steak. I think it was uh, like twenty four dollars a pound. Just that's crazy. Did you buy it? No, <laughs> I went and got <laughs> pork ribs for that were on sale for like six dollars. That's a steal. Yeah, it was a steal. Um, would you would you eat uh, cultured yeah. meat? Yeah, I for sure would. Um, like I said, as long as it the price is right and if it tastes fine, I'm totally for that. The price is uh, right, I don't, Bob. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not opposed. I do eat meat and I know where it comes from and I know it's not good, but you know, it's like, I guess I'm selfish enough at this point. Well, just factory farming, um, large scale agriculture. The, the, I think you're referring to CAFO. Could you be. heard that before? No, I have Oh, it's a concentrated no, animal feeding operation. Gotcha. Well, so the the Food and Drug Administration and the mm, Environmental Protection Agency have come together to actually define what they consider as a CAFO. I've never heard it referred to that way before. <laughs> um, well, most most places like regular regular, uh, you know, I don't know what they call them farms, cattle farms. Mm-hmm. They're technically considered. Uh, animal feed operations. Um, but what makes the difference is how many animal units you have on site. And I guess a CAFO, these concentrated animal feed operations are, and this is as defined by the two uh, organizations I mentioned just a little bit ago. Um, if that operation has more than 1,000 animal units on site for more than 45 days a year, Okay, so um, and the, that's what the KFO is. One one, let's see. I think one animal unit is a thousand head of heads of beef. Really? I, yeah, I think so. So that's one one unit is a thousand. That's ridiculous. Huh? Or maybe. 
or or maybe one no yeah pretty sure that's what it said yeah and by it i mean looking at the uh, it might have been the cdc no i think i all right so i got usda pulled up about kfos and it says um Thousand. So a KFO is something uh, based an EPA term. Um, more than a thousand animal units. An animal yep. unit is defined as an animal equivalent of fifty-five pounds. Uh, no, sorry, I skipped the line. Thousand pounds live weight equals a thousand head of beef cattle. Yeah. Wow. That's one unit. Okay. So those are big. <laughs> but I think we. Big I think I was looking at the same thing. I just didn't grab that link, but. Other comparisons are 700 dairy cows, cows. That's and this is just one animal unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2,500 swine weighing more than 55 pounds. That's probably what you were just reading. Uh, yeah, hundred. Is that right? 125,000 broiler chickens. Mm-hmm. Or 82,000 laying hens. I don't know what a pullet is. A pullet. I think that's a hen before it starts laying. Mm, okay. <clears throat> and with those numbers, think about it. Those those comparisons are one animal unit. Well, how many of these uh, KFOs are there? That's a good question. If there's only like two or three, then that kind of makes sense, but... Hmm. Okay. So that is uh, definitely a large scale operation. If you're dealing in units of a thousand cows at a time. Or get this. Um, there's another distinction. Any size animal farm or animal feed operation. So just an AFO as opposed to the concentrated one uh, will be considered or can be i guess can be considered a kfo depending on the waste management um Hmm. and i think what i read about that is if they discharge animal waste products or waste byproduct into any man-made or natural ditch or something so if they don't if they just you know i think there's other ways of getting rid of it i think they store it and then i i don't know if some some company or agency comes around and essentially gets rid of it like a porta potty. Yeah, I'm sure that's what it is. I, I would imagine they use it for fertilizer. I would hope they do anyways. Uh, I have read that a lot of the KFOs, they store the animal manure into a, like a silo. Mm-hmm. And then they do use that for fertilizer. I feel like there's a Dirty Jobs episode about this big, I think it was a pork production uh, farm and they had like a huge, like a pond, a holding pond just full of the runoff. <laughs> yeah. And it was a long time ago. So I don't, I, I think I believe these numbers or I believe that it's got an effect. So I've heard a lot of things about these massive uh, feed operations. They actually contribute not i mean it's it's not an insignificant number but they 
they contribute to greenhouse gas emissions and uh, like air quality, so like particulates in the air. Um, and the the contributing percentage to the overall greenhouse gas emissions we have now, allegedly, I think I grabbed this from that CDC website or some study. It's seven percent of all of our greenhouse gas emissions come from these these feed operations. Okay. But that seven percent is yeah. primarily from the animal manure, the animal waste. But it gives off methane and nitrous oxide. Mm-hmm. And those are like methane, if if the study and the, the science is to be believed, is twenty three times more uh, powerful than like traditional greenhouse gases. Right. That's why everybody's so concerned about the the cow yeah. farts. I have heard about that. Cow farts. <laughs> yeah. uh, I thought that was true. I read, the, I saw the same thing. I think it was in a YouTube video a long time ago. And I was like, well, yeah, if you think about it, all those cows. Fart. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of farts. I, oh, that <clears throat> that reminds me. I but it, I remember but it's, it's actually from de- It's actually from decomposing animal waste. And it seems like that would be an easy problem to fix if you could just enclose it and capture the methane and then you actually solve the problem and generate methane, which you can use uh, natural gas. Yeah, you can use the natural gas. It seems like that'd be a pretty simple thing. Um, What's, on that note, a fart is natural, farts, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I had heard um, about like feeding cows seaweed and it cuts down on the amount of methane that they produce by some ridiculous amount. Do you remember what seaweed? To... Was it spirulina? Hmm. I know a lot of people I... who are all into their their microgreens and stuff, and That's getting 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 protein from plants. Apparently, like spirulina, which is a seaweed, uh, has a lot of protein in it. That makes a lot of sense, actually. I wonder which way it went. Was it people just had better farts eating the seaweed, or? <laughs> Then they thought about cows, or if it started with the cows. Well, I think you can get it as a health supplement, and I think that what they do is they dry it out and they essentially turn it into a powder. Okay. So it's like yeah. You scoop it in. Um, reading reading the story, I don't see the specific type of seaweed, but um, they added but, uh, a few ounces of seaweed to the cow's diet, and it did oh. something. So it's not a replacement; it's an additive. Yeah, just an additive. Not not in the sense not in the sense that you know we all a lot of people they they complain about like our food sources and stuff like oh it's just chock full of additives and preservatives like but which we so by additive we don't mean no it's just ground up seaweed yeah, uh, they okay. said one point five to three ounces um, it it cut down the methane emissions by thirty three to fifty percent depending on how much seaweed was consumed. Uh, but this is from weforum.org, so I have no idea where they're getting their info. But anyways, there you go. <laughs> so another another thing, and it kind of touches back to greenhouse gases and uh, particulate substances or, you know, air quality. I guess the, the particulate part of that is if you're not storing it and putting it, the, the animal waste that is, if you're not storing it and then using it to uh, re-fertilize or enrich uh, cropland, mm-hmm. um, you got to move it somewhere. 
Right. Oh wait. Well, that is true. I don't know where they. I don't know what they do with that. But the particulate actually comes from moving the animals. Okay. So, you know, if you've ever been driving down like a, you know, an interstate out in the middle of nowhere, and you see a, tr- a semi trailer that's just chock full of cattle, like they're shitting mm. in there too. Right. Right in the open air. It's getting exactly. all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I so. can see that too, just moving them around because it's not all happening in the same spot. You know, they're they're born on farms and then they're shipped to, you know, wherever, pastures to grow for a few years. And then they're shipped to the feedlot and then they're shipped to the the butchering plant. So it's a lot yeah. of moving, moving cows around. Yeah. Well, and then, well, so another downside of like CAFOs is all these all these animals are just rolling around in their own feces for a long time. And then eventually those cows get butchered and it's probably impossible to get all of that fecal matter off of cows when they're butchered. Um, and that's why like everybody says like, if you have hamburger, you got to cook it really well because a steak, mm. you know, is fine to cook rare. However you want to, even the USDA might not approve of it. Well, they just say safe standards, you know, but who wants to mm-hmm. eat an overdone steak? No, but, those steaks if you think about it even if there's fecal matter at the plant where they process and they cut those down into steaks the the fecal matter doesn't penetrate the meat it's all on the outside yep and that's the part that you're you're cooking and searing and it kills all that so you're much less likely to get a foodborne illness from that versus hamburger where you grind it up you're basically mixing all that stuff in and if you don't cook it well enough you could you know get sick from that yeah, none the parasites to top it off. I mean, that's that's what I understood. Like the cooking at one forty five is to kill off any potential parasites, and most cows probably don't have them, so you probably be safe eating it raw. But uh, yeah, you want to do it at least to. I think it's one one forty five for pork. Is, pork is one forty. Uh, pork uh, is one forty five for pork. Is it? I thought I thought that was yeah. chicken. Or are they the same? I think they're the same. Okay. And then um, steak is like, like beef is 45. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I, I find that the perfect temperature is anywhere between 129 and 132. <laughs> so you're, you're getting those parasites mainlined right into you. Oh, well, that... I use a sous vide, which oh, okay. cooks for, you know, you can cook it anywhere from like six to 12 hours and it's almost like a yeah. pasteurization process, but you, yeah. you never go over temperature. Yeah. Cause it's about, it's about duration too. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. But that reminds me of um, uh, antibiotics, too, is a huge issue because they give all these animals, because they're in such close proximity, um, they can transmit diseases between each other. So they have to give them antibiotics um, and not just uh, the diseases, but it actually kind of it helps them grow faster. Yeah. Um, so so they do this. And I the scary thing to me about that is that we're developing a bunch of antibiotic resistant bacteria and like well, not and viruses stuff. just by overusing these antibiotics you know in feedlots so that's that's scary to me yeah and most people are like well okay that doesn't affect meat well it actually does because those antibiotics go into the meat that you eat mm-hmm. and some of that translates into what you're digesting yeah, it may. I, I guess I hadn't I hadn't read that particularly. I know people 
have said that. Um, but yeah, that's that's for sure. Well, it's like it's like mercury too. and fish. Yeah, right. Fish eat fish, and, and then the 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 top of the food chain fish that's eating all these other fish, they're getting a higher concentration of the mercury because they're eating it all. And yeah. I couldn't tell you which fish are on top of the food chain, but if you buy those, tuna. they're going to say these are the fish that are high in mercury. Yeah, it's like like tuna, the, the, the top of the, what is it, something, pyramid. Um, food chain? Apex predators. Apex, oh, apex predators. predators. Yeah, I know tuna is a big one. And yeah. what else? There's another one. Yeah, I don't think salmon. Salmon, yeah. maybe, but we yeah. kind of spent so, a lot of time talking about CAFOs. <laughs> oh, have we? <laughs> well, yeah, and, that, and that's fine. Uh, um, these are just the facts as I've as I've read them and collected them. I'm not I'm not trying to be any any sort of an activist in any way. Um, but the big question that comes out to go back to the topic we started with here is the the manufactured meat or the grown meat a lot of people are like well why why would you do this it's kind of like it's kind of like what uh jeff goldblum says in the the <laughs> jurassic park like all your scientists asked if you know did this if we because we could never asked if we should right <laughs> well that's dinosaurs that's this is meat but um yeah I guess that just, would be one of the benefits. Cut down on all that. Right. Yeah, I'm totally for it. Even just, yeah. you know, with CRISPR, just genetically modify some uh, livestock that just don't have brains, you know, and that's you kind of take away the whole, uh, <laughs> you take away the whole ethical part. Uh, do you? Then? I'm sure it's possible. <laughs> Why? It's not cruel. If they, if they never develop a brain to begin with, <laughs> you just design it. And, well, that's a whole different can, topic. Are you saying... Any any semblance of consciousness or a soul belongs in the brain, or resides in the brain. Uh, well, I think you can create a pretty good argument that you know if it can't experience the environment, then it's not alive. So, uh, but I mean, it kind of goes along with the lab-grown meat idea. Uh, it'd almost just be a little a shortcut rather than yeah, having because I, I think the texture is a big deal with that lab-grown meat. Is it doesn't have the connective tissue, and even if it did. It doesn't get exercised, so mm -hmm. you'd have to like exercise it by sending jolts of electricity, like those ab things. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> remember those? It's just like jolts your abs. Probes, yeah, yeah, um, um, yeah. I do think one of the videos I watched where somebody sampled, uh, they had basically made chicken nuggets out of the the chicken meat that they grew. Oh, and a lot of companies they like. Some of them do all the meats. Some of them do fish. Some of them do only chicken. I know. I know uh, Memphis meats. I think they're focusing on chicken and duck. Mm. A lot of them do beef, but <clears throat> they kind of all start the same way. It's very difficult to get the culture to get to the point where it's representative of like muscular tissue, which is why mm -hmm. it, it typically um, there all these companies are starting out first with like something that looks like a. A hamburger or what you say pink goo pink goo exactly but just the when cells, the guy, right? they, they kind of made some chicken nuggets out of it and when he ate it like it was very airy very soft kind of spongy but he said it tastes like chicken he said it was really yeah. good well it tastes like a chicken nugget because chicken nuggets <laughs> probably don't even have chicken in them <laughs> at least the ones from mcdonald's they got they got cultured meats in them it's just a breaded bread oh, the pink, yeah the pink goo comes from mcdonald's <laughs> 
Yeah, that, that's where they they they've been using it for years. <laughs> yeah, they it's it's not technically a piece of meat; it's extruded meat. Right. They they make a emulsion and then they just spit it out of a nozzle into mm-hmm. a form and then they bread it. Yum. Makes me hungry. Um, yeah. But so on top of that. Um, there's eventually going to be massive stresses on the meat market. There kind of already is. There's a big avian flu going through uh, Minnesota right now. I know some some family friends who go go goose hunting uh, like every year, and they they know this place where they go there, and there's just hundreds of them. It's like you don't really even aim; you just scare them up and just shoot. But they said they went earlier this year, and when they went out there, and normally they do two trips, but the first trip they went out there. None of the geese were, uh, they weren't getting spooked up because they were too sick to care. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like it just, it wasn't fun for them and definitely not fun for the geese. Not that they want to get shot. (laughs) Yeah. I had heard, I had heard about that, but I hadn't heard kind of the extent of it. Yeah. Um, And, uh, uh, it's hitting chickens and stuff like that too. Other poultry Mm -hmm. uh, sources. Um, there's a massive chicken, De- depletion or you know it's not completely gone but it's hard to find certain right. uh you know products of chicken right now yeah like just at, what at we needed just what we needed <laughs> yeah <laughs> more so, shortages so like another thing with like the grown meats would be relieve stresses on the meat markets whether that's from natural uh animal uh illnesses like uh the avian flu and stuff um but also the more demand that we're going to have for meat as population increases and stuff, we only have a finite amount of land. Eventually Mm -hmm. we're going to max out the amount of land that can support the amount of meat we need. And moving to this, you know, it takes, takes up, uh, from an Oxford study in 2011, when they, they researched this 98% less land. That makes sense. (laughs) And up up to forty five percent less energy use, ninety six percent less greenhouse gas emissions. But like we said, that's seven percent of the total greenhouse emissions now. Mm-hmm. And then I guess ninety six percent less water used to do the the cultured meat way. I guess that makes sense too. Yeah, I'm all for it. Let's do it as long as it tastes good. And it's inexpensive. Yeah, I am too. Well, the price is dropping, but it's still not there. I think it's just the <laughs> the regular beef price is going to get high enough, and it's just going to be forced to switch over at this yeah. rate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've... It's a little bit off topic, but if you've heard of um, basically using bugs for protein, too. In your research, did you come across that? I did not, but I've seen the show Snowpiercer. <laughs> oh, the, that... the, there's a movie and a show, but in in the movie, yeah, <laughs> they're grinding up crickets for meat blocks. Yeah, I'm serious. That's there's a big push to do that. I didn't do any research on it, but I was just thinking. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Move to a worm and cicada diet. Just. Yeah, grow a bunch of bugs and grind them up, genetically modify them or something. I don't know. Yeah. 
so that was uh that was a lot of stuff uh <laughs> about a lot of stuff about KFOs, but I guess that kind of outlines why, I don't know, I think manufactured meats and I think the science and the facts and the studies are there that kind of supports that too. But uh, yeah, any anybody yeah. listening, if you uh, if you have any opinions on it or would you would you eat manufactured meat or what do you think about electric vehicles? Do you think there's there's other downsides or, you know, do you have a Tesla? Let us know. <laughs>